The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, for the uh, reflections today, as I mentioned, for today and for this week, I'd like to uh, share teachings on wise speech, which is a very important part of uh, the Eightfold Path. And uh, as I briefly mentioned, even if we don't get the chance to to uh, perhaps sit in a particular day, uh, have a formal sitting, formal meditation practice, we pretty much every day engage with speech either externally with others or internally, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we treat ourselves. So speech is always happening internally, uh, at least, if not externally. And speech forms our our personality, forms our mind, forms the person who we are, who we become. And sometimes actually our speech may not correspond to um, who we think we are. And um, and through actually, through cultivating wise speech, we can, um, as, as a formal practice, taking it on as a formal practice, not as a, yeah, 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 I'm truthful enough, but no, actually taking it as a formal practice, we can really engage and shape and, and support our development. It's, it's, it's a beautiful and I don't want to make it tight, serious, but it's, it's, it's a profound practice. Why speech is a profound practice, really profound in shaping who we are what we are. So there are various, um, there's definitions for what wise speech, for uh, what wise speech is, and the Buddha also teaches about um, ways to, questions to ask ourselves. And this week I will go through them all. Um, and there are multiple lists. The Buddha has different lists. And if you combine those different lists, what one list has uh, four definitions and one has five. And if you combine them, we end up with actually six guidelines, six questions to ask ourselves. Um, and I'll combine, given that we have five days in the week, I'll come one day, I'll cover two of them so that we can cover all five, all, all, all six. So um, actually, first, I want to say one more thing about uh, speech. Um, so in the Eightfold Path, uh, why speech shows up pretty much right after wise pers- uh, perspective or wise view and wise intention. So, of course, the root of everything is our perspective, how we see something, how how what our view of the world is, our wise view, wise perspective, and then our intention coming, having, make, forming an intention for action. And then the third one is wise speech. So it's really right after the, the first two 
basic fundamental holdings, you know, what everything, what, what, what holds the whole practice up is really our view, our perspective, our perception and, um, and our intention, our compass, how, what we set our compass, compass to be. So with wise speech, in order to practice it, I would say, um, two general, um, uh, directions that will apply to every question that we'll, we'll cover this week. The first is to actually make a commitment, make a commitment to engaging with wise speech, making a commitment. So that commitment is the, the second path factor, wise intention, intending, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to engage to speak skillfully, appropriately. Not gossip, not lie, not be uh, unkind, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll go through them. So first is really the intention we make at the outset, and then later in real time, as we're actually speaking, we pause. We feel into our bodies if we are um, about to shape the truth, or tell a white lie, or or gossip. Feeling into our bodies. What's going on? Am I stressed? Do I feel threatened? Am I trying to self-aggrandize? It's feeling into the body of sweetheart. Yeah, interesting. That's what's going on. Okay. And can we reconnect with our intention? Can we reconnect with our intention? So these are the basic ways to engage. And then one more thing to say about the um, in Pali, in the Eightfold Path, um, appropriate speech or wise speech is samma vacha, samma vacha. And the word samma is sometimes translated as right, right speech, uh, wise speech, appropriate speech. And early in my practice, when I heard right, it's it sounded so Puritan, right speech or wrong speech. Whereas actually the word samma really means appropriate as in using the appropriate tool. So, for example, the appropriate tool for hitting the bell is is the, you know, the bell striker. Uh, it's not a pen or a mug. It's the appropriate tool. So what's the appropriate speech? What is the right, appropriate, um, or wise uh, speech in, in a given situation? And... Uh, Right. So, okay. So, today I'd like to cover the first um, in the time remaining. There's so much I want to say, but um, the the first guideline really is, um, is it truthful? Is it true and factual? And truthfulness is the only um, um, uh, moral commitment really is the the, the, uh, commitment to truthfulness. It is said that in the progression of a bodhisattva uh, from going through many, 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 many lifetimes uh, to become a full Buddha, the bodhisattva uh, Truthfulness, the commitment to the truth is so important that that's the only moral precept 
that a bodhisattva cannot and does not uh, break. So, so this uh, not only symbolically, but um, but this this sense that our commitment to the truth really is the foundation of the whole path. It's really foundation of our awakening. Um, in in our humanity through many many lifetimes if if we have a funny relationship to the truth yeah that's our is our commitment to awakening is a little not quite straightforward so 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 the commitment to truthfulness to truthfulness and the buddha talked about how um dangerous it is actually how lying is dangerous because it it uh, has uh, leads to a slippery slope of more um, lying, more complicated uh, behaviors. You have to tell more lies to cover the first one, and and more uh, moral corruptitude. And actually, there is um, there is research that supports that. And what, before I tell you about the research, which is actually fascinating. Um, also, I want to, to mention that, as we know, when we tell a lie, um, it it really um, uh, betrays trust. It betrays trust in relationship, and others have trouble trusting us later. As Nietzsche said, um, I'm not upset that you lied to me. I'm upset that from now on, I can't believe you. Very powerful words. So, so I want to tell you about a um, study that's fascinating. So, in this study, um, and I'll tell a very brief version here. Basically, um, the researchers wanted to study lying and how uh, it can progress, how it can impact the the brain, etc. So they made up they created a setup a a situation uh where the subjects were tempted to lie were tempted to lie just a little bit to get some um uh financial reward which was again tiny so at first the participants lied a little bit they exaggerated a tiny bit they had to estimate the number of pennies in a jar, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into the complicated setup. Um, so at first they they upped it just a little bit, a tiny bit. And when they upped it a little bit, their amygdala, the amygdala part of the brain that really is 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 um it, it is said to be the alarm uh, uh Part of the alarm network of the brain, you know, fear and 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 also this. So so there was a sense of oh a discomfort, like ah the amygdala would engage when when people lied a little bit, like okay I'm this is I don't want to lie, but I did like uncomfortable. There's a sense of discomfort in the body as the experiment progressed. People when people have, had lied, their lie their lies became bigger bigger and bigger and so that by the end of the experiment they were just wildly overestimating the number of the pennies by more than a, you know 50% or so it just it snowballed really lying snowballed but what's amazing actually is that their amygdala became less reactive 
that's profound. So their body didn't feel as comfortable. They didn't feel as uncomfortable lying anymore. They had trained their bodies. They had trained their heart. They had trained their minds. They had trained themselves to feel more comfortable with lying. And they had changed through their behavior. They had changed their compass because our bodies are in many ways, our, our moral compass. Have you decide, Have you figured that, you know, with mindfulness of the body, we feel into what's happening in the body and really it's our, our, it's our, it's our tuning fork. It's our tuning fork. But through our actions, we can shape and form our bodies to become either less or more sensitive to our moral conduct, to our awakening, to our, we can become more and less sensitive to our humanity, to our goodness. Wow, that is astounding and and not surprising, right? We know that. Um so so commitment to truthfulness really is 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 paramount really the first and foremost of these of why speech invitation. And I also want to um mention that um in some suttas, it's not just, is it true? The question to ask ourselves, I'm, I, what I'm about to say, is it true? Is it true what I'm about to say? It's actually, is it true and factual? So that nuance of, is it factual, is actually, is a very important nuance. So, so the truth is not relative um it's not my truth it's your truth because yes we all have our perceptions and perspectives but the buddha suggests that we actually um examine is is it supportable is is this what what i consider to be the truth is this supportable by facts oh this person is mean they they meant to hurt me blah blah Wait, 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 wait a minute. Are we attributing? Are, is it really supported by facts? Is it just our perceptions, our feelings? Yes, it is true. We were hurt. Yes, we can say that. But can we attribute uh, intentionality? Or is it that, okay, well, they said this, I said that. This is So it's like a third-person conversation, essentially. Uh, uh, you know, there, in, in actually, um, there's one book that I love and highly recommend is difficult conversations and in whenever you're about what you need to have and we need to have difficult conversations in our lives a lot of course not they may not necessarily be difficult but but you know, impactful conversation and for example in this book really which to me is a beautiful dharma book talks about how uh, we separate our the impact that something has had on us from the intentionality. So one part of the conversation is, okay, what we perceive something to be, and then we can put ourselves in the other person's shoes, what we perceive things to have been from their perspective. And then there is a third person conversation, which is the objective, just just objectively what happened. They said that. I said this. They did that. Just very simple, without any interpretation, without any attribution of intentionality. Just it's it's objective, objective. So, so this um, uh, addition of is it true and factual is um, uh, is a is a very important nuance that that the Buddha, uh, the brilliant Buddha, 
uh, ads. Okay. A lot more to say. Um, Happy to be practicing together and sharing the Dharma. Take good care. Have a wonderful day. And looking forward to continuing tomorrow. Be well.